you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija in izinite gregi. Bulgaria continues threatening Macedonia with its constant drip of more demands, all the while denying that there are Macedonians in Bulgaria. My goodness, who could have predicted that they would do this? Is there precedent? Did some other country already do this? On April 15, a Bulgarian delegation consisting of Prime Minister Kirill Petkov, Bulgarian Vice President Ilyana Yotova, and others visited Bitola to open a new cultural center named after the controversial Ivan Mihalov. During the visit, the Bulgarian vice president, in answering a question about the Macedonian minority in Bulgaria, insisted that there are no Macedonians in Bulgaria, stating, quote, Who are those Macedonians? Give me an example, unquote. In the meantime, the government's secretary general, Muhammad Zakiri, a Zaya fanboy and archenemy of Dewey, was arrested after being charged with some serious corruption. This makes Muhi the second secretary-general of the Zayev Kovachevsky government to be charged and arrested after the downfall of Draghi Rashkovsky back in 2021. In other sad news, the teachers' strike continues for a second week. A massive fire engulfs the abandoned Tresca factory near downtown Skopje, and inflation continues, though it's not as bad as the 22% inflation in Moldova. We'll discuss all of this and more in this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers podcast, I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Tritan Shulemanov in the asbestos smoke-covered city of Skopje uh, in Macedonia. <laughs> is, this, is this a smoke from the fire? Yeah, yeah, it's a huge Still. factory. I mean, it stopped. Uh, uh, they, the fire was put out uh, the same day, like in a few hours. But it's yeah. all built with what we call salonit uh, bricks uh, or, or uh, tiles, which are practically have mm. asbestos on top. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> they had some plastics burn in the in the factory, and uh, and we assume we guess that uh, the asbestos was also uh, lifted. The smoke was lifted with uh, with the fire, and and now they want to build uh, a large apartment uh, block of apartment buildings there, which was the reason for the fire, as everybody <laughs> speculates. No, it's becoming a common oh, thing that's now. Terrible. Yeah, we had the old. Oh. Uh, the wooden huts of the old uh, uh, traffic court in the park, they burned down. And oh. uh, the, the place is uh, earmarked for development. And now this is the, the biggest, the Triska factory, it's like a whole city block. I know and, it well. Yeah, in a very, very desired uh, part of the city. And there were discussions like for the past few months, uh, they, they were heated, the discussions what to build there. And uh, I guess the developers wanted to uh, pull the trigger on the whole thing. They torched it. And uh, now we are all debating how, how much damage will be done when they clear it up, the, the area, with, uh, because I guess that's when the asbestos will start flowing in, in earnest. Right, yeah, you'll get this massive, um, frankly, almost earth-moving equipment in there yeah. to, to clean up the debris, etc. That's just going to stir up all of the ash and dust and, and, and uh, what's left of the structures. 
And uh, man, that has got it. Yeah, it's just you can't catch a break, can you? Yeah, yeah, it was a big, <laughs> oh, big disaster. I'm so sorry. I was in the in the kitchen, like doing stuff, and just on the phone with somebody, and just look outside, and there is like a huge. It looked like Ukraine. Uh, people were joking. I yeah. mean, it was exactly like a, a city hit in Ukraine. Yeah, but but for the record, nobody was hurt in this. I hope. No, no, no. I mean, they're careful yeah. about these things when yeah. they don't want criminal investigations. <laughs> you mean you mean an arson charge does not warrant a criminal yeah. investigation? <laughs> well, they can, I guess they can attribute this to yeah. an accident. Oh, jeez. Well, and it, and. It, <clears throat> And here it is springtime, by the way. This is uh, episode 136 of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. We're recording this on Monday, April 18, a tax day here in the United States mm-hmm. for those who are following that. Um, well, let's see. Let's start Let's start with the top. Let's start with uh, Bulgaria, as we are um, uh, obligated to mention in every podcast. Uh, but Bulgaria warranted it big time this, this, this past week with... Uh, the, the visit of uh, Prime Minister Petkov and others uh, to Bitola. Uh, so, um, so he brought with him this, uh, the Bulgarian vice president. Uh, she said there are no Macedonians in, in Bulgaria. Give me examples, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, but let's talk a little bit first about this cultural center. Um, why don't you kind of walk our listeners through the, the, uh, the cultural center and uh, Ivan Mihalov? Yeah, so this is like a few guys in uh, in Bitola, which is not known for a large uh, Bulgarian uh, community. Like in Ohrid, there would be uh, like a proper Bulgarian community, self-declared Bulgarians. There would be in Shtip, uh, but this was a relatively recent thing uh, uh, that got started. The guy, one of them, you know, his name is Ljubcho Gergievsky, like the former prime minister who famously mm. took out a Bulgarian passport to avoid uh, persecution. And uh, he was even mocked because he said, like, uh, uh, you know, I was reading books, I go to sleep and wake up and I felt I I was Bulgarian. I became Bulgarian. (laughs) So this was a widely ridiculed comment. Uh, They had the the center set up uh, like a while ago. And uh, now they um, they're opening like a cultural center within the, the club. They were attacked once, so he um, reported uh, something he owns, like uh, being attacked, and uh, the police was quick to dismiss this as a feud with his ex-wife that she uh, attacked. Uh, It was like a small shop or something. Uh, So um, they were were turning to the embassy, they were turning to the government in Bulgaria demanding uh, protection against attacks uh, uh, in Bitola, and um, I mean, this was very, a very curious event, like the whole, uh, the, pri- the prime minister, the dep- vice president, the foreign minister, uh, Karakachanov was also in the delegation, and the ambassador, coming for what they called a private visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not met by uh, government officials. Uh, eventually, only Buya Rosmani showed up, but he was not uh, present at the center, so it was very strange uh, how they organized this. It felt to me like they're trying to get uh, people to boo at them, and there were protesters. They were shouting when they landed with the helicopter in a village near Bitola, and then you know they would be given an excuse to veto Macedonia if there is an incident, if the club is now you know 
attacked, arsoned, or you know something like that in the aftermath of the visit. So this would all be useful for Bul Bulgarians who do not want, uh, for officials who do not want uh, Macedonia to open accession talks to point out and say, listen, we had a high-level visit, this is what happened afterwards. But then it seems like Pitkov, the prime minister, that he earnestly wants to lift the veto. Hmm. He was giving, uh, he was, you know, commenting in this regard during the visit. And then everybody who's in the de delegation, they had a different position. So the vice president, Yotova, she is from the Bulgarian Socialist Party with Truman Radev, uh, the president mm -hmm. Radev. And they're mm -hmm. very opposed to opening accession talks. So uh, she, as you said, made these comments that there are no Macedonians in Bulgaria. Point them out to me if you know someone, <laughs> right? Uh, so um, she's opposed to the deal. She was giving comments like uh, about the shared history. She was practically talking like as if Bitola is like a Bulgarian city. And uh, she was, I guess, trying to have a reaction to the visit. Uh, the foreign minister, uh, Genshovska, she's from the um, this populist party of um, Slavit Trifonov, uh, the IPN party. Yeah. yeah. So she's as hardline practically as the socialists. So the prime minister literally had like a running feud with not only the vice president who he did not appoint, but also with his right. own foreign minister. Uh over whether we should open accession talks. Uh, the Prime Minister, he's accompanied by uh, an advisor, uh, Vissela Chirneva, who now the President and the Foreign Minister are openly attacking that she's the one who's too lenient on Macedonia and whispering in, uh, in Petkov's ear to lift the veto. So they really had a divided front when they came here. And I think even Petkov mentioned that there are divisions in the, in the government. But they didn't, there was no incident. There were, there were protests by Levitsa, Vimera people protested, but not formally organized by the party. Um, but there was, it was not uh, like an incident at the level that would give Bulgaria an excuse to block Macedonia. They, they actually have, now if Petkov wants to, uh, he can say, listen, we have some improvement in Macedonia. Look how they're allowing our centers to operate, our citizens to register cultural institutions and the one the, the, the center is named after Vancho Mikhailov who is right <laughs> you know I mean even for uh, in Macedonia he's like the notorious uh, he would probably be like best described at the moment as the Macedonian Bandera Stepan mm -hmm. Bandera he was close to the Nazis he was protected by uh, the Ustasha leader um, uh, uh, Ante Pavelic in Croatia he had a feud with Bulgaria, so they would not let him run the country as a principality uh, during, when, uh, during the war, during the occupation. So he still had to remain in Croatia during the war. And he was only parachuted into Macedonia after Bulgaria switched sides and Germany was considering uh, giving Macedonia independence uh, and some additional territory under Vancho Mikhailov and under their protection. So we would have... Mm -hmm caught like the last train to join the Axis and in you know in uh, September 1944 when everything was collapsing we were offered like do you want an, an Axis uh, uh, statelet which then maybe you will be able to I don't know 
barter with the English, with the Americans to let you to keep your independence and, uh, you know, not fall back under Yugoslavia or under Bulgaria. So he came, he mulled around Skopje for a few days and then he, he flew back to to Zagreb. He did not, and then eventually to Italy, dying at an old age uh, of 90-something, I think after Macedonia declared independence. Wow. So it's very controversial to <clears throat> have something named after him, especially in a city which had a large Jewish community which was destroyed. Mm. He was not actively participating in this, but still he was very close to the Nazis. And that the whole government of Bulgaria <laughs> to show up for an event. I mean, I'm very open to rehabilitating people who were, you know, used during communist times uh, as... Uh, you know, hate figures, we did this to Todor Alexandrov, but uh, Vancho Mikhailov is a bit out there, and also uh, in the sense that he he wanted a uh, united Macedonia, uh, but under Bulgaria, and he was, he, he was on the record as saying that we are Bulgarians, we, we, sh, uh, we have a Bulgarian identity, and uh, he was advocating a, a Switzerland model for Macedonia, a united Macedonia, but with an Albanian Turkish canton, and uh, a number of, uh, practically the majority of it would be uh, Bulgarian cantons and a, a Greek canton, so like a cantonal unit of different nations. He, he did not, he, he wanted a united Macedonia, but within Bulgaria. Some very, very interesting um, mm-hmm. development. I guess some of the delegation were hoping for an incident, and uh, eventually, as it turned out, Pitkov has an excuse to go to them and say, listen, Macedonians are giving us a lot, like we opened up a club named after this guy and uh, they didn't torch it, so it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a low yeah. bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's very good, very descriptive, uh, good, good uh, recap there. Uh, but of course, this is just one of many demands that the Bulgarians have of Macedonia in order to not allow Macedonia the EU, but to start a session talks and open the 30 some odd chapters uh, that the the EU uh, demands that nations, you know, go through open and close and, uh, you know, align their legislation with with uh, <laughs> with EU uh, law, etc., and again, that's just one. Others include adding the Bulgarians to the Macedonian Constitution, uh, the whole uh, issue of the historical commission and aligning Macedonian school curriculum and textbooks with what the Bulgarians want, etc. Uh, and as I mentioned in the in the opening monologue, of course, you know, uh, who could have predicted this would happen? Is there a president? Mm. Has any country done it before? Well, of course, uh, yeah. the, the Bulgarians are just doing what the Greeks did, and the Greeks got away with it, and the Bulgarians think they can do the same thing, and here we are. Um, uh, I, I do find it interesting, you mentioned uh, the foreign minister there, uh, Buyar Osmani, who has said in this past week, I believe, that uh, there is a um, uh, an offer from the government of Macedonia to the Bulgarians to do X, Y, and Z, whatever mm-hmm. that is. We don't know, because the government uh, is not transparent and won't tell the public what the government is agreeing, what demands the government is agreeing to to cave into. Um, but at the same time, we've also already heard from the Bulgarian side that they've even rejected this document that nobody's even seen. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what all that means, we don't know. The, um, the next opportunity to, uh, to lift the vetoes, so to speak, is in June, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I guess they can lift at any moment, but usually yeah. it's done in June and December. That, that these these uh, these gab fests that the EU has, yeah, uh, yeah, I forgot yeah. what the, the Council of Europe or the, the European Council, Council. the Council of Europe is European Council. Different. Yeah, I mean, come on, it's it's kind of That's, it's the People uh, Liberations Front of Judea, the Judean People's Liberation exactly, Front. Yeah. Take your pick. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, and and at the same time, of course, it's always fun to add in there that that this other issue, Albania, of course, is mm. quote unquote tied to Macedonia in this, and as long as Macedonia doesn't get to open up accession talks, neither does Albania. Uh, uh, Eddie Rama has come out and said we need to Prime Minister of Albania said we need to open yeah. up we need to separate the two countries uh, that's kind of been received in a lukewarm fashion by European capitals mm-hmm. as well as I think the State Department uh, so what that means I don't know um, I do find it interesting I, I noticed you mentioned the um, uh, the fact that the Bulgarian delegation that was just in Bitula was divided between the yeah. Prime Minister Kirill Petkov and others. Uh, I notice here, this is, I don't know if this is done purposely or not. I think it's done purposely just because that's the way it's done. Uh, the Bulgarian uh, media outlet, uh, Novinite, uh, mm-hmm. in an article today, in, in the first, the opening line of the article is, quote, quote, mm-hmm. North Macedonian President Stevo Pentarovsky has personally joined the campaign against Bulgaria, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then you scroll down through the, the, um, the article, and it says, and there's a new, new, another paragraph, and it says, quote, Macedonian Prime Minister Dimitar mm-hmm. Kovacevsky has called on, da 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 So um, it's kind of interesting that they said in, in one stand, in one uh, opening paragraph that, that uh, they made Stevo Pentorovsky a North Macedonian, but uh, later on they made uh, the Prime Minister just a Macedonian. Uh, I'm sure that's yeah. done purposely. Mm-hmm. All right. I also have to point out, you know, because I keep this running list, and that'll go on my list of uh, media outlets that continue to use this this false term. They do it. They do it with malignant intent, I believe. Uh, they call it North Macedonian Balkan Insight. Continues to do it, and they did it last week again. And it's it, it and it's the, the the who's the Balkan Insight uh, writer for Macedonia? Uh, uh, this, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's the one, and he his articles continue to be littered with North Macedonian this and North Macedonian that. It's just kind of, it just really mm-hmm. irritates me. Uh, anyway, so that's that's kind of the the, the Bulgarian update. Um, I think, you know, this is just going to continue. Uh, I don't think you're going the Macedonia's going to get anywhere. I don't mm-hmm. think Bulgaria is too internally divided. It seems, um, and. You know, we'll just kind of follow this each week and, and see what the latest, uh, the latest uh, example of of, uh, of this behavior is. But I just yeah. I don't see it being solved. Yeah, yeah. This was not. Uh, I mean, uh, we are asking that uh, everything is shuffled uh, for the future, like uh, that uh, we make some commitments, but that the, it's implemented for a very long period of time, and it becomes a, a new issue so that the EU will begin pressuring us instead of Bulgaria. This is what Bulgaria wants. Right. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, and, I don't know and, what they're going to do. 
Yeah, and of course, at the same time, the EU's got enough on its hands with the whole uh, Ukraine yeah. crisis. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's 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 uh, kind of switch, talk a little bit more about domestic politics uh, again. Uh, in the uh, opening monologue, there mentioned uh, Muhi, as mm-hmm. he's known, Mohammed Zakiri, yep. the uh, rabid um, uh, fanboy of Zoran Zaev and yep. arch enemy of Dewey, former Secretary General. Uh, what was the what was the corruption charge he was uh, arrested on? Uh, he's arrested because, uh, as the Secretary General of the government, they sign a lot of discretionary spending. And in particular, uh, Zaev pledged to sell the privatized the Macedonian post office. So he gave a million euros to a few Croats who worked on USAID projects, like middle-level businessmen uh, in Croatia, uh, to prepare, uh, they, they have like a consulting business, so to prepare a feasibility study for the sale. And he did not have like an open bidding procedure for other companies that could uh, have the same study prepared. So um, Dewey ran the post office for a long time and uh, they ran it into the ground. It's very badly managed. Uh, And at one point um, when the bank, which the post office is linked to collapsed in an orgy of corruption. So practically there was a bank who was conducting all the payments that people go to the post office to do. And uh, it was destroyed through uh, this very peculiar type of uh, Balkan uh, uh, abuse. Uh, companies close to Zaev, to other businesses who are linked to SDSM, would take loans from the bank uh, under a fake name. They would have like companies. Uh, they would set up companies under uh, you know their under minions and their employees uh, of I don't know in a Zaev company. Uh, and uh, the bank would approve the, the, the loan. And when they would not give back uh, the loan, the bank collapsed and practically keep the, the loan for free because you quickly try to bankrupt the company which you set up in purpose for this swindle. You try to have the person who was involved in this, who was signatory, like move him outside of the country or something. And um, the bank collapsed, the post office was in very serious trouble because of this. Zaev wanted to, said we'll follow up on this by selling the entire post office. And uh, Muhi was tasked to prepare the feasibility study and he's now in detention for this. In the tank. He's in prison, right? Yes, he's in prison. They leaked the picture. This is something we always do when, during his walk through the court, through the yard of the prison. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, yeah. Now that is funny. Now, now of course, in in his, you mentioned no bid contract. Of course, um, I believe the um, the uh, the State Department is very good at doing those with uh, not the State Department, but uh, the the government of, mm-hmm. of of Macedonia in issuing a no bid no bid contract to uh, Bechtel Corporation, uh, mm-hmm. which is of course with the support of course the United States Embassy and the, yeah. the State Department. So, uh, but that is to be expected. Uh, when, so when's his trial, or has it been set yet? I know it's still early. There's still uh, the, the the judge found that there is sufficient reason to put him in uh, detention, but not. Uh, I mean, it, it will take a while to prep the case. But you know, he was actually secretary general under, until the last day until he was arrested. Uh, <laughs> he was a secretary. So, so one day he's sitting in his big big office yeah. at his big desk and his big leather chair, and the next day he's in prison. Yeah. Oh. And uh, Zaev was even his uh, best man at his wedding, so very close to, to Zaev. 
uh, he remarried. So Muhi is like a former journalist. He worked originally in the US funded uh, in Radio Free Europe. He was very close to the embassy. At least he was considered uh, such. Uh, he was educated as an imam, so you could sense this often in him. Like he would, he would go to the, um, uh, you know, he would employ uh, like Muslim uh, terminology, like uh, in his public appearances. Um, he was married with two children, but then uh, you know everybody knew he was dating uh, an ethnic Macedonian. Uh, director of the Alsat television, where he eventually ended up as a TV host uh, for a long time. And um, mm -hmm. when he was remarried to, to, to his second wife, Zayef was the best man at his wedding. And Zayef, you know, it was known that Zayef would give him a, 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 some good position in the government. Zayef made him a vice president of the party. They're, they have like a deputy leader and several positions of vice presidents. And Muhi was given one of them because Zayev was very big on forming an ethnic Albanian wing in SDSM. He, that was right. the only growing uh, segment for his vo uh, voter base. So he turned to Muhi to be practically leader of this uh, new wing to the party, which was very damaging for Dui, because Dui's bread and butter are the Albanian voters. And this is where... Uh, Zekiri and Dewey got into a huge uh, fight because Dewey practically blamed uh, Zekiri of intruding in their voting base and Zekiri would often accuse Dewey of corruption. And uh, it was it's very likely that the, the embassy was supporting Zaev in this uh, process, so we all had the impression that Muhi has the embassy protection in forming like an Albanian wing of SDSM. But, uh, you know, I guess it's now time for, uh, you know, Dewey were probably... Uh, it eventually turned out that Dewey is much more important to SDSM survival than um, this transitory phase where Albanians would vote for SDSM in 2016, but uh, haven't really turned out for SDSM in the future, in the, in the next elections. So they helped... The, the SDSM had about 70,000 Albanian votes in... 2016, but uh, nothing since. And practically, Zui, didn't, uh, sorry, uh, Muhi did not prove uh, uh, that he's able to keep this voting base, and, uh, and Dui were still working against him and uh, had him removed. It's yeah, also no. possible that the SDSM factions were trying to send another message to Zaev after they, his previous secretary general, Rashkovsky, was also arrested. That, uh, now it's Muhi's turn. So practically he had two secretary generals of the government in a row, both of them uh, charged with corruption. Oh, he's on a roll. Can we go for a third? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the I, third I, thing, I mean, I, when they would arrest people of this caliber under Gruevsky, the goal was to get to Gruevsky. Right. It was not to get to Muhi. It was not to get to... And uh, Gruevsky's secretary general in the government was also charged, uh, Kirill Bozinovsky. But, you know, everybody knew it's it's only like a, a step to get to Gruevsky. In mm -hmm. this case, uh, there is no similar pressure to on them to to go to say something about Zaev, you know, to save themselves and uh, and uh, hang Zaev. But uh, it's possible. I mean, the prosecutor Vilma Ruskovska mentioned that she's preparing major charges against somebody else, hmm. uh, and she said it's going to, she's going to announce it. Uh, 
what was it, I think on uh, Sunday morning or Saturday, something like that. And then she backed off. Mm-hmm. So uh, she said there she's is retiring, a looming. Right? Yeah, she said that too. But there is a looming indict- indictment coming. Uh-huh. We'll see. <laughs> well, I I I think the kind of an important takeaway from this is that the uh, to the extent that the embassy on Calais and the State Department primarily, but also with the backing of of certain EU embassies and the EU etc., uh, do have an influence on internal Macedonian politics. Mm-hmm. Partly because um, the leaders and the parties allow the embassy and the State Department and the EU embassies to to meddle. Uh, that's part of the reason, it's, I think. Uh, but to the extent that the, the embassy, the State Department, the EU embassies, etc., do have um, uh, some influence on internal domestic politics there, I think we can, it's fair to say that, you know, if these people no longer serve their purposes, and I mean these people meaning Zakiri and, and Rashkovsky and others, if they no longer serve the purposes of Calais, the State Department, the U embassies, then th- these institutions, these Western institutions, have means, ways of, of um, influencing and organizing You know what we are seeing right now. Uh, the other thing that's worth repeating, I think, is that the embassy and the State Department, and again, to a lesser extent, the EU embassies, will always side more and always want, always want to see a left-wing government in power than a right-wing government, especially in Macedonia's case with Vumro, because it is the stated policy of Vumro not to, uh, to, to, to want to try and get the good name of Macedonia back and yeah. the identity and everything else, whereas Sidisum couldn't care. Uh, and certainly Dewey couldn't care as well. And so the, the one thing that the embassy and the State Department and certain EU embassies don't want to see is Vumero come back into power. Mm. And so they're going to do anything they can to support Citizen and Dewey, even if that means having a few people arrested here and there, etc., from yeah. time to time. But they're going to do everything they can to make sure that Vumero does not come back into power. I think that's a fact. Uh, because the State Department and the embassy, and again, the EU embassies, all have a worldview that is very much rooted in, well, first of all, the majority of them are atheists, and that's fine. There's, I know good atheists, but the majority of atheists don't have a, a view that is compatible with most Macedonians' worldview. Uh, they're all educated at Ivy League schools. They all have a utopiast world governance, world government worldview. And the traditional conservative viewpoint of Vomero and other center-right parties just doesn't factor into that. So, but we've, we've discussed that many times on this podcast and, and in writings and things like that. But I think that's, but again, going back to the arrest of Zakiri, I think that's what we see going on here is that the embassy uh, and others, you know, from time to time need to kind of shake things up. The, of course, having said all that, uh, Dewey at some point, and and the the mostly men, some women that make up the leadership of Dewey, uh, serve the interests of Kale, the State Department, the EU embassies. But at some point they won't, and at some point they too will go. Uh, I'm not sure how, but they will. Uh, but for now they kind of serve those interests, and and, and it's a shame that we see, well, you know. 
yeah, there's corruption at every level in every government to one extent or the other on, on, in every country. Uh, but we see Dewey escaping this all the time. And, and what it does, it serves to make them more arrogant, more brash, um, might even say a little bit more, uh, uh, risky in their behavior and in what they do, which of course could come back to bite them. But for now, they seem to be escaping all of this. I, I and it kind of makes me mad. But anyway, uh, yes, that big uh, corruption case, which is coming uh, to benefit the U.S. practically, the the large Bechtel deal. Um, mm -hmm. So somehow Dewey, I mean Dewey, was able to position itself as the most uh, uh, enthusiastic supporter of this deal, and Artan Grubi was. Uh, you know, the prime face here, um, even though, you know, Zekiri or the SDSM wing of the government could have pushed to this, I suppose. But we got the impression that uh, it's Dewey which is running the show in this regard with uh, the embassy. And this will easily be in the billions of euros, like building a highway, Tetovo, sorry, Gustavar Kichava, a highway linked to the border with Albania from Ohrid to the border with Albania, and uh, Bitola Prilap. And, you know, they um, proved once again, Dewey, that they are the most loyal, most useful people in the government to, to the U.S. Embassy. I mean, we have recently statements from uh, both Wimmer and even Livica that, um, you know, they would prefer the other Albanian parties as partners in mm. a future election. But they would then say, but if the votes are not there, meaning if Dewey again wins the majority of votes of all the Albanians, then listen, what, what can we do? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it. The people have spoken. So um, this is a statement given to the U.S. Embassy that, okay, we will accept. If you let us back into power, we will accept to have this poison pill in our coalition, this very loyal uh, unit which you have uh, created here since the 2001 war until now, we will have them in the government. They will you know, will be at their mercy again. This is going to be a guarantee that we won't do anything that counters your interests, like changing the name back, because then Dewey will pull off support and the government would collapse. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Zekiri was on the wrong end of this because he was actually fighting Dewey, but did not prove that he can that uh, he can have like a that SDSM can be big enough to have also uh, the biggest share of Albanian voters and, you know, a, a share, a solid share of Macedonian voters, and then also deliver on things the embassy is interested in. They deliver a lot on, you know, name change, identity change, uh, uh, you know, blind loyalty to the U.S. foreign policy. Now it's very important that you're seen as, uh, you know, um, very loyal on Ukraine, mm -hmm. etc. But... Uh, you know, Dewey managed to, sh to show that they have both the Albanian votes and that they're willing to, you know, advance this huge and hugely corrupt deal which we'll have with Bechtel. So it's uh, the embassy eventually, you know, yeah. is going to side with them. Yeah. All right, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about this, this teacher strike. Uh, mm -hmm. So... This is the second week. Again, I said we're recording this on Monday, the 18th of April. Uh, this is week number two of the teacher strike. The teachers went on strike a week ago last Monday for higher pay. Um, uh, Vomero is supporting them. Um, mm -hmm. And it looks like the government offered them a 10% offer, a uh, 10% increase. The uh, 
teachers want eighteen percent. Uh, I'm I'm uncomfortable with public sector striking. Yeah, of course. Uh, as a conservative, it's just a. Um, actually, quick aside here: the reason that the Soviets were so afraid of Ronald Reagan when he was elected, mm -hmm. uh, shortly after he was elected, this is way back. This is forty years ago, over forty years ago. The uh, air traffic controllers, who are public employees here in the United States, they you know they keep the planes up in the sky and landing on time and taking off on time and keep the sky safe. They went on strike in '81, I believe it was, maybe it was '82, and uh, Reagan fired them, <laughs> and then yeah. started hiring new people to replace him. And and this is something that uh, Peggy Noonan, the uh, the White House uh, speechwriter and, and author, uh, the point that she makes is that. The reason the Soviets were so afraid of Ronald Reagan was that they said, my gosh, if he's willing to take on a public sector union and yeah. fire these guys, then <laughs> this, is not a, this is not a man we want to treat lightly. So yeah. uh, anyway, so it's a quick digression. Uh, as a conservative, I don't like public sector strikes, uh, especially yeah. given what the kids have been through for the past few years with, with COVID. Vomoros mm -hmm. uh, uh, supporting them in this. Um, what do we think? Is are they going to be able to solve this this week so the kids can get back to school before the end of school starts? Before the end of school and the summer starts? <laughs> so I mean, uh, real, things have really gotten extremely expensive. We have a, we have a very high inflation rate. Yeah. Uh, officially nine percent, I think, but you know you, you feel it. It's much much higher. Uh, and the government had this deal to lift the minimum wage, which they thought is going to help them politically, but then it only made the retirees and the public sector unions jump on their throat and demand more. Mm. And uh, they gave the retirees some increase, uh, uh, and, uh, but the teachers, now uh, they were offered 10% increase, and they want more, they want almost 20%. And Vimera, they were announcing protests in the spring, and then Mitskovsky said, listen, we can't do this. There is war in Ukraine and we'll be seen as uh, destabilizing the country. It's going to get us in trouble with the embassies. He you know, practically said this. <laughs> so uh, we're going to pull, pull out of the idea. And uh, Vimer is now fully supporting the teachers union, which they think, OK, we have our spring protest, which we wanted, or at least uh, some kind of a massive action against the government. And we're not formally doing this as a party, so we're in the clear. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, this is the political angle. I agree that, you know, the quality of education is not very good here. It's not the worst in the world. I mean, uh, that wasn't a ringing endorsement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I don't know how to handle inflation. I mean, that's the actual, yeah. if we're discussing the issue. Sure. On the merits, I mean, yeah. we really need to see what to do with, and the inflation, which is not, which is even beyond uh, uh, our country. I mean, it's a it's a global yes. thing at the moment, and I'm yeah, not really sure what to do about it. Well, yeah, and I'm not, you know, despite the fact that I'm a recovering, I call myself a recovering accountant. I, you know, I studied mm -hmm. business and accounting at, at university, and and actually worked for an accounting firm yeah. for the first year of my uh, adult life. Um, I, I I still don't get it, even though I can follow it. I think better than most people. Obviously, it's it's it's, and the U.S. Is, I think we've got 8.5 percent uh, year-on-year inflation right now. Uh, as I mentioned in the monologue, Moldova apparently has 22 percent inflation, uh, mm -hmm. and it's it's which 
it stems from too much money chasing too few goods. And, and here in the States, at least, mm. it was the um, primarily the Biden administration just continuing to throw money uh, after, you know, on, on COVID relief when it wasn't needed. Uh, so that's, that's, a, that's a large part of it. But to put the brakes on inflation uh, is a very difficult thing, in my understanding. Uh, the Federal Reserve here just raised interest rates last month. They're going to do it again in May. Uh, of course, when interest rates go up, that's a basically uh, that's another issue. But inflation itself, of course, as you as you mentioned, it hurts everybody. It's it's kind of a regressive income tax in that it hurts the poorest the most. Um, and I get why the teachers are striking, but I, I sure mm. hope that they can kind of figure out inflation is a separate issue. I hope that they can figure out come to some sort of agreement to get back and and uh, and uh, start educating the kids again because. Uh, because they need it. They need to be back in school. They need to be socializing. They need their masks off, etc. So, no, they're socializing plenty well. <laughs> they're outside. <laughs> it was relatively nice weather until uh, yesterday, which we oh. had, and you know, okay. kids are enjoying it. Okay. Socializing is fine. Education. I mean, we practically realized we're going to have to rely on private schools, like uh, mm-hmm. classes on YouTube, stuff like that, and people are taking advantage of this. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, school is, yeah, mostly for socializing at the moment anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's end on a, on a high note with, uh, with a with farmer's pick. Uh, and that is, uh, while the, the Macedonian uh, national football team has been doing quite well uh, over the past what, year, two years, uh, it's uh, handball still kind of rules the day in Macedonia. And... Uh, the handball team beat the Czech Republic uh, over the weekend, which qualifies them for the world championship. Uh, yes, uh, it was a, a thriller of a match. We watched it yesterday, and uh, uh, it was even in the first game against uh, uh, in, in the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. And uh, practically, we needed to, uh, to win by one, at least. And uh, it was dicey, you know, in the first half... Uh, they were even practically in both halves, mm. uh, but uh, they were practically like we would have like a lead of two goals and then uh, each side would score or keep it. It was very, very tense until the, the last minute. We had uh, Kira Lazar of the legendary, mm-hmm. both player and, and coach. He would jump in into, the, into some moments of the game uh, um, to keep them steady, uh, but it was a great uh, crowd as well in the... Uh, at the home with the home advantage, so yeah, it was it was a very very good uh, good success. I mean, uh, Kira is going to retire. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Stoilov said he will retire after the the World Cup. So um, Juti is also oh, what, what's his real name. So the, a bunch of good players are, are leaving, but mm-hmm. you know Lazarev said, listen, we've been able to build up uh, a proper team for the future, and, and it showed. I mean, yeah. we had uh, uh, all. Elements of the team were doing, were, were performing well. So that's fantastic. It was a it was a good evening. That that's great. It it, it gives uh, gives Macedonians a lot of pride, deserved pride. Uh, I saw a video clip on the uh, on the twitters um, mm-hmm. of uh, seven thousand people packed in the Boris Trykovsky Sports Center singing the yeah. national anthem of Macedonia, which was just really really moving. Uh, so it's something that Macedonians can be proud of. Yeah. Well, this no, we're never, not used to doing well in sports. 
Right. This yeah. Is but, but you very know, new for us. Yeah, but but I think I think the the thing is, is as I mentioned before, we started talking about handball. The, the the football team has been getting better. You mentioned a number of retirees, but preparing the uh, you know the handball team has a um, has has a good history. Uh, they're they're I think the <clears throat> success breeds success, as they say, and so mm-hmm. they're going to be able to recruit players that, that good players that will be will be able to continue with that success and and it's just one of those things where you know it's uh you've got a good base and you build on that and it takes a lot of hard hard work but Macedonia can become it is known and become and can become even more known for uh success in uh, sports and various uh, mm. sports so that's good news yeah more good news Easter this weekend uh the uh we we just celebrated yesterday, April seventeen. Uh, I should say the the Christian world, most of the Christian world, the Catholics and the Protestants, <laughs> and other uh, maybe non denominational <laughs> non denominational Christians uh, celebrated Easter yesterday. Of course, Palm Sunday in Macedonia, and April twenty fourth, this coming Sunday, is Easter when uh, Orthodox Christians uh, in Macedonia, Orthodox Christians around the world will celebrate the birth of Christ, which is really good news in this tired old world. So, uh, so why don't we, why don't we end on that by wishing, wishing our, uh, our listeners a very happy Easter to those who celebrate uh, this coming Sunday. Christos Voskresa. Navestina Voskresa. Very good. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, uh, every, you know, everybody here knows that I celebrate as, as, as a Macedonian Orthodox, I celebrate yeah. Easter twice. So that is what, uh, Mm-hmm. I get to I get to educate people on that, which is always fun. So, yes. All right. Well, that's a good good wrap, ending on good notes. Two good notes of the handball team and Easter, and um, we will gather again in a week, ten days, two weeks, and see what's up. Absolutely. Take care, buddy. You too. <laughs>